Blog Talk Radio. Yeah. 
and welcome to Reality in Christ Worship Radio. I'm your host, Thomas. And we have a good show today. <clears throat> Excuse me. Message going to be coming from Ezekiel 33, talking about the watchman on the wall. But first, before we go into our message, you know, we always start with our worship and word. And I'm going to play a song that I haven't played in a while. And it's a powerful song. So sit back, relax, listen to Worship and Word, and we'll be back with the message. True Radio Network and Blog Talk Radio. On the day I saw you Standing in the pouring rain It started When you looked right through me I'd never be the same again And I can't imagine What I
It's even hard 
continually use others' actions as a justification for what they do or don't do. I did that. You know I did that, Lord. Every time I turned around, it was, what about them? They did that. Why can't I do this? And I had these conversations with you, Lord. Not with people. Lord, I pray that this message that I've given many times on this show, that it will bring forth a different kind of revelation. That it will, because so many times, We'll open up the Bible, not really having any fundamental foundation, and we'll start reading stuff. What happens, Lord, as you know, human nature automatically, for whatever reason, gravitates to the negative. For whatever reason, If we find something negative, then we see use the negativity in others to encourage and lift up ourselves. Total strategy of the enemy. Even though, Lord, you said, In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, many people can recite it. We battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and high places. They can say the scriptures, they can say that verse with their lips and still go out and give Satan a free pass while blaming people. doesn't make any sense. So, Lord, you know my heart. But regardless, I'm still telling you what's in my heart at the moment. And yes, I am angry and I'm disappointed. And once again, I release this anger to you. I repent of my disappointment, letting people down. Father, I bless you. I love you and I ask that you bless and love, continue to love, give wisdom and revelation to all those who are listening, those who will listen in later in archives, and from here on out. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. 
Amen. Amen. And so, you all know, that dialogue you just heard was me praying. It sounded like I was giving a commentary, but that's how I pray. And I'm going to say something one more time that I have not said in a long time. But for those of you who may be new and listening and listening to this broadcast, yes, I am a teacher of the word. Tell you what I am not. I am not someone who walks around with a legalistic bone in his body. I am someone because of the fact that I'm real. I'm as real as it gets. I don't don't go to church on Sunday and then play something else on Monday. What you see is what you get. But for those of you who don't know me, there's many who do know me who will tell you. I am a very good person to have on your side. Because when I care for people, it's just not superficial on the surface. Because when I care for people, it's not because I could potentially get something out of it. Because truth of the matter is this. I could love people, care for them, reach out, encourage, and minister, and still keep them at a distance without allowing anyone close to me, if I so chose to. But that's not what I choose to do. My track record and the things that I have done lies before the Lord. But there's one thing that no one, no matter how harsh their criticism or their judgments of me may be, misunderstanding, whatever else you want to call it, can ever take away from me. That is this. My love for people weighed through the prism 
God's love. Let me say that again. My love for people is weighed through the prism of God's love. And for those of you who don't know what a prism is, a prism is that cube that you saw in science class where when your science teacher shines a light into the prism, then all the colors of the rainbow shine through it. That's what a prism is. So that's one thing that will never change about me because God drugged me kicking and screaming to that point. What does that mean? It means when I get angry, mad, upset, fussing, cussing, whatever it is that I choose to do at that moment. At the end of the day, when all said and done, I'm able to forgive that person in my heart, move on, even talk to them if I so choose to. That's what sets me apart. And if it sounds like I'm bragging, that's not my intention. But as a believer and a follower of Jesus Christ, it is my obligation and duty to let people know that, one, it's because I have a relationship with Jesus Christ doesn't mean I know everything. Two, if you're going to look up to someone, you better be willing to look up to the whole person, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because more often than not, you will find that the goodness overcomes all the negativity. And that's how it is in my life. I can't speak for anybody else. But that's how it is in my life. I'm being real. I'm being transparent. And I'm being open. But it's a part of my healing process. Ezekiel 33, I'm going to read the entire, I'm going to read the entire chapter and I'm going to break down each section. But the first section is specifically what I want to focus on. 
Ezekiel 33, verse 1, New King James Version. And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people, and say to them, When I bring the sword upon the land, and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman. When he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be upon his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet but did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But he who takes warning will save his life. <clears throat> but if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet, and the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniqu- in, in, in his iniquity, but his blood will I require at watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore, you shall hear a word from my mouth and warn them for me. When I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way. That wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from his way, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered yourself. Therefore, you, O son of man, say to the house of Israel, thus you say, if our transgression and our sins lie upon us, and we pine away in them, how can we then live? Say to them, as I live, says the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked turns from his way and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways, for why should you die, O house? The prophet Ezekiel was talking. That was a specific prophecy given to the nation of Israel back in Old Testament times. But how does that apply today? Good question. I'm glad you asked. That applies today in that when you warn people of potential destruction that can come to one's soul, But yet, when they disregard the warning, they're responsible for their consequences, the result of their choices. Enemy has against mankind is unforgiveness. 
the most destructive weapon the enemy has against mankind is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness stems out of unbelief. Let me say that again. Unforgiveness stems out of unbelief. I was asked the question, the same question that Jesus was asked. The disciples asked him, how many times do we forgive them, Lord? Seven times? Jesus said, no. Not seven times, 70 times seven. Four hundred and ninety times. Let me put that in let me let me put that in a really powerful perspective. That's four hundred and ninety times for each event. And there is a limitless way, there's limitless ways that people can offend us. So if you think about that for a minute, 490 times per offense, I'll just translate that into a modern translation. You always forgive whether or not you reestablish a relationship with the person, you always forgive. Because at the end of the day, the one that ends up getting hurt the most isn't the one you did not forgive. It's you yourself. How do I know this? I'm speaking from experience, physical experience. But, you know, some say, well, I don't believe that. You don't have to believe it. But when those things are visited upon you, hey, we we all are responsible for our own choices. Verse 12, therefore you, O son of man, say to the children of your people, the righteousness of the righteous man shall not deliver him from the day of his transgression. For as the wickedness of the wicked, he shall not fall because of it. In the day that he turns from his wickedness, nor shall the righteous be able to live because of their righteousness in the day that he sins. When I say to the righteous that he shall surely live, but he trusts in his own righteousness and commits iniquity, none of his righteous works shall be remembered, 
but because of the iniquity that he has committed, he shall die. Again, when I say to the wicked, you shall surely die. If he turns from his sin and, and does what is lawful and right, if the wicked restores the pledge, gives back what he has stolen, and walks in the statutes of life without committing iniquity, he shall surely live. He shall not die. None of his sins which he has committed shall be remembered against him. He has done what is lawful and right. He shall surely live. Yet, excuse me, yet the children of your people say, the way of the Lord is not fair, but it is their way which is not fair. When the righteous turn from his righteousness and commits iniquity, he shall die because of it. But when the wicked turns from his wickedness and does what is lawful and right, he shall live because of it. Yet you say the way of the Lord is not fair. O house of Israel, I will judge every one of you according to his own way. Once again, the prophet Ezekiel was talking specifically to the nation of Israel. This was a prophecy that was given in the nation of Israel. So how does that apply today, you might ask? There are many who constantly talk about getting themselves right, positioning themselves, getting right this, I got to get myself right that. Folks, if we were capable of getting righteous ourselves, we would not need a Savior. And Jesus would have died in vain. But you remember when I was talking about unbelief? We have to do things in our own righteousness because we don't believe that Jesus Christ did enough. And how do we come to that conclusion? Because you have many people who read the word of God without having a foundation of God's love. Because everybody looks at everybody looks at love as the same thing. Nobody ever takes the time to break down the characteristics of love. We try to apply, we try to look at God's love as if God's love has boundaries. God's love is limitless. We are the ones who choose for whatever reason, to put limits on our love. It happens every day. 
well, if you don't do this, I'm going to do this, and so on and so forth. Quite frankly, that's garbage. Word of God says love covers a multitude of sins. What? You mean my loving someone can change, can bring them to a place of seeing that they need change? Yep. Absolutely. So why doesn't that happen more? Good question. Because most Christians are, don't have the spiritual wherewithal to do what it takes to reach that point. How do you reach that point? Opening your mouth and talking to God. That's all. Everybody wants 50,000 formulas on how to get something done when you open your mouth, start talking to the Lord, establish your relationship with him, and it's in the midst of those establishing relationships that people start to change. But instead, we walk around with a self-righteous, legalistic attitude pointing out the flaws of others because we're insecure within our own self. Been there, did that. Didn't like it. It was wrong, and I had to repent of it because I paid the price. I may not have said anything to people, but I was thinking it, and I was wallowing in forgiveness, bitterness, self-pity, and it almost killed me. Well, we're different people. Yes, people are different, but there's one spiritual law that none of us can get away from, and that is you reap what you sow. If you sow the seeds of discord, you will reap the seeds of destruction. And the only reason why I did not die was because of the fact that I, I cried out to the Lord. Only reason why I'm alive. And God never let me go. Folks, I was angry. I was very angry. First John. Chapter 4. I'll look it up. And I'll just read it in its entirety. First John chapter four. Just a second. First John. There it is. Chapter 4, 
Okay. Let's see. Starting at verse 1 John chapter 4, verse 17 through 19. The consummation of love. Love has been perfected among us in this that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Let me repeat that. Because as he is, he being Jesus, so are we in this world. But here's the kicker. Verse 18. There's no fear in love. But perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved loved us. Obedience by faith. This is a good one. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? Let me read that again. If someone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, how can he love God, whom he has not seen? In this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God must also love, must love his brother also. And let me toss a little caveat in there. When you love your brother, you do not love your brother. Loving your brother or your sister or your relative does not mean you turn a blind eye when they're running down the hill towards destruction. If you love someone, you will warn them. And that's what you do. Once you warn them, go back to the beginning part of Ezekiel 33. When you have warned them of becoming destruction and they disregard your warning, whatever happens to them, they're responsible. But if you didn't warn them, and you let them plunge headlong towards destruction, their blood is also in your hands. Because when you love someone, you will tell them the truth, regardless of whether or not they want to hear it. But unfortunately, in this day and age, Everybody wants their 
everybody wants their ears tickled. But here's here's the here's the big kicker. Remember me talking about unbelief. Believers don't believe the fullness of what Jesus Christ did on Calvary. How do how how could I say something like that? I can say that because you have Christians still running around talking about their sinners saved by grace. No, bruh, you were a sinner. You still sin. That doesn't make you a sinner because if you were still a sinner, you were you were telling Jesus Christ to his face that uh, you're a liar because you didn't die for my sin because I'm a sinner. Romans 8, we've been set free from the law of sin and death. In the Old Testament, when they talked about sins of omission or commission, talking about, well, even if a person lived a lifestyle where they where they committed did not commit a physical act of sin, but they may have sinned in their heart, that was because of the sin nature of man. But when it comes down to what Jesus Christ did Every single day, we constantly call God a liar. Every single day. When we say, well, I'm not perfect, I'm only human, duh, you think God does not know you're not perfect and that you're human? I think he created you. disregard the fact that, you know, we go through saying that we're not worthy of God's love and this, that, and the other, and there there again, we call him a liar because if he didn't deem us worthy of his love, he would not have sent Jesus Christ, his only son, to die for us. And when we call God a liar through our actions, we may not say it with words. Well, actually, we do say it with words when we say stuff like we're not worthy of God's love and this, that, and the other. The word of God says, so be it unto us according to our faith. So when we speak stuff like we're not worthy of God's love, Guess what? We just tied his hand. And an enemy, because of our own profession of faith, gets to come in and swoop. Oh, yeah, that's right. Satan can't do anything to us that we don't allow him to do. Because Jesus Christ, through his death, burial, and resurrection, destroyed the works of the devil. If you want to argue about that, you're arguing with the word of God because that's in the scripture. Enough is enough. If you're gonna if we gonna say that we believe the word of God, we better take the entire word of God, not just the stuff that we choose to pick and choose. Because when we make a decision to sin, It's because we want to, not because we have to. 
we no longer can blame God for that. And when we make comments like, well, we're only human, we're not, we're not perfect and all that stuff, we're blaming God for our choices, and he gave us this choice of free will. And that's what it boils down to. That's what it boils down to. We've been set free from the law of sin and death. Let me just, let me go to Romans. Let me just go to Romans. Romans 8. I believe it's Romans 8. And I'm going to read it. Free from indwelling sin. Great scripture opening. Says, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has been made, has made me free from the law of sin and death. Let me repeat that whole thing again. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the spirit of life being the Holy Spirit, in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. What does that mean, folks? It means you don't have to sin if you don't want to because Jesus died for your sin. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his only son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin, he being Jesus, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Folks, let me explain to you what that meant right there. Walking according to the flesh means for those who are trying to specifically continue to live by the Ten Commandments, not killing, stealing, cheating, fornicating, covetousness, all those. God knew full well when he gave Moses the Ten Commandments that man would never be able to keep all of them. Because if you remember, and this is what Paul talks of in another book in Romans, another chapter in Romans, where it talks about when the law was given, sin was made alive in our flesh because whenever human nature is told not to do something, the flesh automatically wants to do it. That is how sin was revealed in us. That's a whole nother message for a whole nother day. For those who live according to the flesh 
set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is intimacy against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. In other words, folks, quit being legalistic. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of God, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead. If Now, listen to this. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Jesus did it all. So stop trying to stop trying to fulfill your own salvation when Jesus did it all. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh, but to live not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Live for as many as are led by the Spirit of God. These are sons of God, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children then, and if ch- children then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to fertility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. Not only that, but we also, but we also who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan, within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body, for we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. Let me say that again. Hope that you can see is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Likewise, The Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart 
knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things work together for good to those who are who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the first born among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined those, these he also called, whom he called, these he also justified, and whom he justified, these also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. And who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? And is it as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. All these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That kind of says it all right there, folks. That says it all right there. That says it all right there. So, that says it all. Where do we go from there? I don't know where y'all going because your relationship with the Lord is your relationship. But I know where my relationship is going. Dear Heavenly Father, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we give you glory on our faith. Father, thankful for another opportunity to deliver worship and word message. Father, I thank you in the mighty name of Jesus Christ for just for what you put in my heart for. all that you're doing and what you choose to do. 
And, Lord, I know that until you tell me otherwise, I will be your messenger, regardless of what happens, regardless of what people say or don't say. Father, it's because of you and what you've done in me that I have obtained and developed my love for people, not through my own effort, but through your efforts, through death, burial, resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, I know that um, you look through us through a prism of love. And I ask you to continue to just give me more wisdom, Mark God. Give me more wisdom. And the ability to be an effective communicator for you. Not just to say words that sound good, Lord, give me the words that can be uplifting and impactful. We say we love you and we bless you. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. I want to thank you all for tuning in today. My message was a little harder hitting than usual. But sometimes you got to do what you have to do. And um, I know that God in his infinite wisdom and grace, he sometimes calls us to deliver a hard message. There are many times when the pendulum will swing from one extreme to the other. Many believers view sin as more powerful than Jesus Christ. Spiritual Father in the faith has said, We put more faith in our abilities to fail than we put faith in Jesus' ability to overcome our failures. I'm going to say that again. More faith 
and our abilities to fail than we put in Jesus' ability to overcome our failures. But you know what? This next song I'm about to play, 10 Minutes Alone, something about the name Jesus. We're living in a day and time where being politically correct is popular. Can we turn that around again? We're living in a day and time where everybody's saying the name God, but nobody wants to say the name Jesus. We don't want to offend the Muslims. We don't want to offend the Jews. We don't want to offend the Arabs. And so therefore we crucify him of flesh. But I want you to know that there will come a time when every Muslim, when every Buddhist, when every Jew, will have to get down on their knees and have to confess that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. So I want every blood-washed believer to not wait until then. And if you've ever gone through something, you know right here that there's something about the name. Something about the name is the sweetest name it is the sweetest name. Sweetest name I know. I know. And I love that name. Oh, how I love the name. Jesus. Oh, how I love the name. It's the sweetest name. It is the sweetest name. Just take a minute and explain to him what you're really trying to say. What you really trying to say? Some people, some people say I'm crazy, but I can't explain. I can't explain the power, the power that I feel when you call His name. When I call His name, that's fire, that's fire, and it's just like fire. Where's it? Where's it? Shut up! When the Holy Ghost gets to moving, that He won't leave me alone. Bring the Holy Ghost, bring the Holy Ghost, everybody. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Something about the name. Something about the name. Something about the name. It's the sweetest name, yeah. Just won't leave me alone. Then he won't leave me alone. 
I'm not talking about you having a pair with Jesus. But I'm talking about you love him, you love him, you love him. Not because of what he's done, but because of who he is. Everybody, we're going to sing this chorus together. And even if you can't sing, even if you don't know the words, you can give God an oath. And that oath can mean to you whatever that oath needs to mean to you. Can we sing it right there? Can we sing that chorus right there? Everybody, everything, everybody. Worship and Word here on Blog Talk Radio and True Radio Network. Tune in next week to another episode of Worship and Word here on Reality in Christ, Worship Radio and Blog Talk Radio. You just finished it? Yes.